Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We have everybody here tonight, Justin, Devin, Heather, and me, Sterling. And we are going to be talking about one of the biggest movies so far this year, Captain Marvel. So, as always, we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. So we are going to start off with Justin talking about what he liked. Okay, Captain Marvel. So this is the first female in the MCU to have a solo movie. And overall, I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, just a quick few things that I liked about this film. First of all, I thought that the chemistry between Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson was really good. I loved kind of the buddy cop 90s feel that this movie had with those two. I thought that all of their interactions were nice. I really liked some of the dry humor jokes and things that they kind of had with both of those characters. And speaking of Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson, I thought he really shined here. I really thought he did. Like, I thought that this was one of the most, probably some of the most enthusiastic he's been as far as playing this Nick Fury character. I thought that he had a lot of energy in this. I thought that... um his character was great and it kind of showed kind of why in some ways that he's makes such a good leader and everything like that because when this whole thing happened he didn't believe but as events started unfolding and he realized okay this th these are aliens and something really horrible is going on he sort of just picked it up and rolled with it and i think that some of those instincts and his his instincts to trust the right people and things like that kind of shows in this movie. So you can understand why later he is that type of person and why he was the right person to ultimately pick the Avengers. So I just liked all of that. Um, I thought that another standout performer in this that I want to mention really quickly is Ben Mendelsohn, who played Talos, the scroll leader in this. I thought he was great. He had some really good scenes, maybe even some scene stealers. And he was very charismatic in the role. I thought that he was genuinely funny. He kind of brought um, a different side of the comedy relief to this film. So I thought all of that was really good. And then, of course, I'm a 90s kid growing up. So I appreciated all the little callbacks to the 90s and all the nostalgic stuff that they were doing and i think one of the parts where i laughed the hardest was when they put in the um disc in the cd and it was taking so long to load and everybody was sitting there and it was taking yeah. an awkwardly long amount of time and then somebody was like what is it doing and then <laughs> sam was like it's loading i just thought that was the funniest thing because that is so true um but so, so so stuff like that, I thought, was a nice touch. And then lastly, I thought that Brie Larson was good in this role. I thought that um, for what she was given, and I mean, we'll talk about problems and things like that later, but I thought with the material that she was given, she did well. She didn't seem like she didn't fit here. She didn't seem like she didn't... Um, fit whenever she was interacting with other people and especially with Samuel L. Jackson, that was going to be a real tester for how she might fit with the others. And she seems to fit well. She seems to belong. So I'm excited to see her in other films and 
see how she interacts with the rest of the characters in Endgame. So those were a few things that I thought were great in this movie. Yeah, I I have to agree with you, and I'll go into it a little bit more specific with a lot of those things, but with uh, Samuel Jackson and, and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, yeah, I'll go into that later, but I just want to say, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on, on those two, especially uh, Shining Bright in this movie. All right, Devin, what do you like? Well, first of all, before I get started, I just want to say hello, Cinefans. Glad to be back. Glad we got the whole crew back together tonight. It's good to be back on with all you guys. Missed you a lot. I know it's been kind of a weird format these past couple of weeks, but we're glad to have us all back on the podcast. But on to Captain Marvel. So what I enjoyed most about this film, absolute most, is how this film actually plays like a 90s movie. Movies today are all about explaining every minor detail about, you know, going deep within, you know, as far as what fabrics the character's jacket is made out of and trying to explain everything. But to me, this film was more reminiscent of like a men in black. Not only was it a tribute to the 90s, but it actually, in my opinion, had the construction and the storytelling of a 90s action film. Not everything was really deeply explained and everything really hinged on the emotional core and the action core in this film. And I actually loved that in its own way. The very essence of this film is a callback to the 90s. It's not just a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt and a couple of songs. The way it's presented is 90s. And I absolutely love that. And of course, there were the great callbacks, like when she goes through the um, the blockbuster and you see Arnold Schwarzenegger and he has Jamie Lee Curtis on his uh, shoulder from True Lies and like a hole gets blasted through it. And to me, that was just kind of a, you know, that shit is old. This is what heroes look like now. They look like me. They look like women. And I thought that was a statement uh, to the world. Uh, It's about time that we had a leading female in the Marvel Universe have their own movie. Uh, So that's one thing I just really enjoyed about this film is that it really stuck to its guns. There was no romantic core whatsoever in this film. And for me, uh, I think the emotional core, honestly, I mean, the interaction between Brie Larson and of course, Sam Jackson was really, really great. And um, Bill Mendelsohn was excellent also. I think that he really did steal some scenes. And I really love the call back to Pulp Fiction with him sipping on that cup was really, really cool. You know, he was sipping that tasty beverage. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's straight Pulp Fiction. I mean, it was the way he uh, had cocked his head, the way he drunk from it. I was like, oh, that was straight Pulp Fiction, straight Sam Jackson. But to me, Above all else, um, the emotional core was the relationship between Mariah and Carol. Uh, Lashana Lynch did a fantastic job being that best friend. The scene where they're sitting at the table and she's like, I know this must be hard for you, you know, learning all of this at once. And she's like, no, this isn't hard. What's hard is being told that there's been an accident and that there's not enough of your friend left to even bury bury. And then she doesn't even get honored for her bravery and it being covered up 
what's hard. You know, she I mean, that scene where they're sitting at that table was so powerful. And I think that really expressed. And if you've been listening to um, this podcast, you know, I'm a sucker for the power of friendship. You know, I am pretty much a walking care bear. And I believe that friendship can conquer anything. So um, that right there was a scene that really got me. And I thought that was just the emotional core of the film. Their relationship really tied Carol to her humanity, in my opinion, and really made her ask questions and delve deeper to find out exactly how she came to be this superpowered individual. And I also liked how they changed the scroll scrolls. I mean, you know, while it may not do any favors for, you know, people who are anti-immigration, for us who don't mind immigration one bit, this movie was really great uh, because the Cree used a lot of propaganda that you see today. They were like the scrolls, they're spreading across the universe, taking over planets, so on and so forth. They really set them up with these bad guys and really textbook bad guys, you know, because in the comics, the scrolls are like, we want to control all the planets. And it's like, why? Because, you know, it was just like, <laughs> that, that's why, because we want to. Damn it. We're evil. Get used to it. And they added a really cool refugee lost home. And to me, it fixes one of the questions uh, that was asked in Guardians of the Galaxy, or maybe not anybody asked the question, but was like, hey, how come uh, Xandar killed all those Kree? And then you find out because the Kree are imperialist and they've probably committed so many atrocities. So that's why the Xandarians killed all those Kree and why Ronan is so mad is because they're warmongers and they were uncontrollable. And I thought that was a really good thing that they answered in the film. Uh, and it's not a big point or anything like that, but something I just picked up in that. So those right there were the things that I really enjoyed. Heather, what'd you like? Yeah. So um, I do definitely agree about the, um, the best friend. Is it Maria? Yeah. Sorry, Maria. 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 Um, yeah. So she, she was really great. I would say, um, so the things I liked most about this are, I think the pacing of it was pretty good. Um, it told a story that it needed to tell without having to make it too long, which I appreciated because the Marvel movies tend to be long, which isn't always a bad thing because the the Marvel movies are usually just really good no matter what. But they didn't have to make this an overly long movie to tell what they needed to tell in the story. Um, I also like that the lighter moments that they put in the film were actually humorous. You know, the jokes, um, they landed pretty well for the most part. Which was a good thing. So it was a, um, it was action, but it was also funny. You know, they kept that, they kept that um, humorous side of things that they've been doing in the in the Marvel movies in general. Um, I personally think that Brie Larson did a fairly good job in this role that she was given. Like Jasid was saying, I know a lot of critics were saying that she was too wooden or whatever, but my opinion um, is that she was that wasn't really the case. Um, from what I saw, yeah. she was able yeah. to show the genuine confusion of trying to figure out her origin and the t determination to fulfill her role as a soldier, um, you know, and it, but it was never over the top, which I appreciated. It just seemed very genuine, in my opinion. Um, I also, like you guys were saying, I liked the supporting character, Samuel L. Jackson, obviously, um, 
you know, he was amazing. Playing a more lighthearted version of Nick Fury was kind of cool to see. I liked Mm -hmm. um, his dynamic with Carol Danvers. Um, I also liked his dynamic with the cat. I thought it was kind of a funny little thing to add into that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jude Law was good as, um, I, is it Jan Rog? I don't, is that how you say his name? Jan Rog. Jan Rog. Okay. And, um, Lashana Lynch as Maria, she, she really did a great job as the best friend. It was really, um, for the screen time that she had, she was really good. You know, she she could have had more and I would have been fine with it because she really was a good addition to the film. Same goes for Annette Benning. Uh, basically, every character was well casted and added to the story being told, which was a good thing. Mostly, I really liked Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. Is that how you say his name? Talos? Mm-hmm. Um, Talos. He, he actually is the character that stood out most to me. His line deliveries were the best, uh, the, both the funny and the serious ones. He just killed it, I think, in his role. I mean, every time he was on the screen, it was captivating and he owned each scene. He was just a very enjoy, he was, he was just very enjoyable to watch in this film. Um, it was also nice to see Agent Coulson back. I really liked him in the, um, the other movies, the like the Iron Man films, I, I think he was great. So even though he wasn't um, in it and that he wasn't used nearly as much as he should have been, I think it was great that they had him back as his younger version. Um, I believe we last saw him in the first Avengers movie. Unless I think you that's watch Agents of Shield, there, but, then you um, saw him with Rock Todd. Yeah. And yeah, unless you yeah. watch yeah, Agents of Shield, yes. Which is a different thing, but yes. Um, but yeah, he was just always a good character um for me. So it was a welcome addition to the movie. And um I really liked the in credits scene when uh Captain Marvel meets the Avengers. It got me really excited for Endgame, honestly. So yeah, I was really excited for that. I think they they're setting up uh, they're they're setting it up well. And I'm super pumped to see how the movie is going to play out, especially with her help now that we've seen her, you know, her origin story, so to speak. So, um, yeah, for me, it was just overall entertaining and enjoyable. It fits well into the Marvel Universe. I don't know, um, you know, I I don't know what to expect. I don't know. I just I, I wasn't familiar with the character prior to the movie, really. So I went into it a little behind the game with with who Captain Marvel was. But it was for sure worth it, in my opinion. I think she's a great character. And um, the last thing that I do want to mention for my likes is the soundtrack. The 90s music throughout the movie was awesome. It definitely yeah. takes you back <laughs> if you grew up during that time. Um, and the fact that a lot of the songs were specifically influential female artists of the time, like TLC yeah. Yeah. and Garbage, you know, and Gwen Stefani um, from No Doubt, you know, it was just specifically influential female artists of the time. It made it really cool because, you know, the story is nice. of a powerful female superhero. So it was just a really clever little thing to add to that. And I think it paid off well. Like, I think the 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 scenes where they have those songs with the storyline it just really worked well i think so um yeah i i thought it was a great movie overall uh and one thing i want to add um great act of subversion by making bill mendelson a good guy because as soon as i saw him i was like oh yeah he's bad yeah he's scroll oh uh, yeah got him <laughs> right <laughs> that guy. and and just to make sure everybody knows we're not talking about his twin 
because he is Ben Mendelsohn, not Bill. Oh, he no, has we're a saying twin. It wrong. I didn't even know that. Yeah, no, ben no, ben he ben just keeps saying Bill Mendelsohn. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Ben. <laughs> oh, okay, I ben. see. Yeah, Ben yeah. Mendelsohn. No, no. Okay, it's yes. Uh, no, and I mean, I'll I'll jump in with that because since you were bringing up Ben Mendelsohn, especially with him being a villain, uh, because like ninety percent of his like current roles that American audiences would know him as have all been villains because mm-hmm. he was he was a bad guy in Dark Knight Rises. You know, he was the like white collar bad guy in that one. Um, he was the guy that what hired Bane or quote unquote hired Bane to steal Bruce Wayne's uh, shit, so like all that shit at the beginning. Sort of power over me. Um, he was. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that he was that guy. He was okay. He was that guy. He was the bad guy in Ready Player One. He was the bad guy yep. in Rogue One. He was the bad guy in the new uh, Robin Hood movie that no one saw with Taron Edgerton. But he was the sheriff of of Rottingham in that. Um, so I mean, this guy's just nonstop bad guy. And so then whenever they're like, "Oh, he's in this," and they're scrolls too, everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, he's going to be a scroll and he's going to be a bad guy." Everybody, that was just the quick thought to it. And I kind of loved that they kind of kept that as what it was until like they they did flip it. You know, when they flipped the script and you know they kind of showed the the scrolls being sympathetic and everything like that. And one of my favorite things about him in this movie was the fact that whenever he was impersonating Nick Fury's boss, he was using the uh, his normal accent that people are used to seeing him in movies. He's either doing that or a British accent. Um, mm. And But whenever he was a scroll, I loved the fact that he was actually using his Australian accent because he is Australian. And I just loved the fact that when he was a scroll, he was using his actual voice. Yes. And it, just, um, it added to that. It really yeah. did. Like, and that scene when, you know, he's explaining to Carol Danvers about, you know, you know, we, you, you were misled and you're confused about who we are and just basically making that plea for how they're not the bad guys. Like that to me was one of the scenes that stood out the most because it was so convincing and he just had a lot of, you know, genuine heart in what he was saying, even as the scroll. So it was really cool. And, yeah, I do agree. I think the Australian accent really um, helps that character. I guess helps build that character. And um, yeah, it was it was really cool. So I agree with that. Yeah, and, and, it was, and there was just something scene- fun about that. No, that's all oh. I was saying is there was just something fun about him being a scroll with an Australian accent, and that it you know for most <laughs> people they don't they don't realize that's his actual voice. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and just to kind of add on to compliments about him, and even that scene where they found um, Marvel's ship, and he got to see his family after a while of not seeing them. Very just heartfelt scene with him, man. I definitely agree with Kather. He really had some of the more emotionally resonant parts of this film. I mean, he really did like him and Lashana Lynch are standouts as far as that is concerned. But that definitely was one of the stronger scenes of the film when he got to reunite with his family. I mean, I would actually take that a step further and I'd say for 90% of this movie, he was the emotional weight of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with that. He was that my far. favorite like character, honestly, aside, you know, from the people you should be rooting for. He was just an unexpected, pleasant character in that film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I have mixed feelings and I'll go into part the other part of my mixed feelings with this, you know, in our next segment when it comes to the scrolls, like, well, they showed him as a very sympathetic 
uh, characters in this movie, where at the beginning they were very much playing them uh, as your atypical scrolls from the comics. You know, they were just uh, shape-shifting little assholes that wanted to take over everything. And, you know, and then they, they flip that, you know, to show the Kree were just intolerable assholes that just conquered everything and tried to, you know, exert their will on everything which was very much a Cree thing too from the comics i mean that's that's very much the thing and it's and that's where it kind of deviates from the typical Cree scroll war from the comics is the fact that in the comic books there's really no good guy in that war the Cree are assholes and so are the scrolls they're both gigantic assholes and uh so i like that they kind of flipped it and they kind of showed that you know there was aspects of them to be sympathetic about. And I'm sure that there are also Cree to be sympathetic about. Um, I'm kind of hoping that at some point they come across some bad scrolls too. You know, some scrolls that are evil little shape-shifting assholes. I really kind of hope that that happens at some point in one of the future movies. Um, but to also add to uh, some of the likes is, you know, Samuel Jackson. To expand upon what Justin was saying earlier, I just... Kind of wish they did like a solo Nick Fury movie now based in the 80s. Man. Because I want to see, I kind of want to see what kind of shit he saw in the 80s to where when he's like really aliens and then an alien happens and he kind of just rolls with it. I want to see the shit that prepared him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to see what kind of shit went down for him to go, oh, there's aliens. I mean, he kind of had that mini freak out with the one in the car. Yeah. But that was it. Like, that was the only time he was like, oh, fuck, aliens. And then after that, he was just like, oh, yeah, aliens, whatevs. It's Tuesday. I can deal with this. <laughs> so, like, I want to see what other Tuesdays this motherfucker had that led to that. Um, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you guys are like very right with like a lot of the 90s references. I mean, like with her, you know, being in the Cree suit and then, you know, getting the biker clothes and stealing the bike a la Terminator 2. Yeah, um, love that reference. Love that mm-hmm. homage. And a lot of and I liked a lot of the references, the fact that they were very subtle. Like they were they were there if you saw them, you know, like like Devin pointed out with the uh, the drinking from the cup, um, just like uh pulp fiction, you know. Like this movie was just full of like little quick references to nineties movies without it really shoving it down your throat. It yeah. wasn't like, and- oh hey, wink wink, nudge nudge, Terminator two guys. Yeah, it was um, subtle enough to make sense with what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's all you needed to be. You know, it was one of those things that if you caught them, it was cool. And if it went over your head or you didn't notice it, you weren't bothered by it either. You know, a lot of movies, when they try to make these references and you don't get it, then you feel dumb or you feel like out of the joke. And this movie didn't do that. It just kind of kept them all in the background. So when you got them, you were happy. And if you didn't, you just didn't even notice. Uh, and I, I do appreciate that. I think that's a smart way of doing references. Um, you know, Goose the Cat was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say about that. I mean, Goose was, you know, the shit. I, I liked the way they changed the name, too. Uh, in the comics, the, the cat is named Chewie, uh, directly referencing Chewbacca. But I liked the fact that they really were tying in a lot to her Air Force roots and stuff like that. So I liked it being named Goose. You know, especially like if you think about the earlier scenes, which would have been six years earlier, which would have been late 80s, you know, uh, so late 80s, Top Gun still would have been pretty popular. So a cat in the, you know, around a bunch of Air Force pilots being named Goose. I liked it. I'm glad that 
and spoilers for spoilers for anybody. I, I'm I'm happy that Goose didn't meet the same uh, fate as Goose did in Top Gun. He, he introduced a yeah, lot of people to that same fate, same. which is you know <laughs> he did he did he definitely goosed a lot of other motherfuckers. Um, but he did not get goose himself. All great scenes, by the way. All hilarious scenes, by the way. When that, goose did his that's thing. That's the thing is that was kind of one of the things that does bother me, yet didn't in a weird way that I have mixed feelings with is that there were times that the cat stole the show and it's 2019 and it's a Marvel movie. I kind of wonder if a cat should be stealing the show, but it did. Um, and it was great <laughs> when it did. True. It just, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm bothered. I, I guess my bother isn't with the movie. My bother is with myself. The fact that I'm watching this movie and the cat is stealing scenes and I'm okay I mean, with it. Granted, you do I have a big love for me. cats. So that's a different thing. I do. I do. But at the same time, I'm just like, why the fuck am I okay with a cat stealing scenes in this movie that should be overwhelming me instead of a cat stealing scenes? It did. (laughs) And I'm still, like I said, I'm, I guess I'm mad at myself that I loved every scene that that cat stole. Um, I was fine with Brie Larson. uh, For the most part, there is some problems I have and it's not with her per se it's the way they wrote that character that bothers me but for the most part yeah. everybody that was like when people say she was wooden um i i insanely disagree uh i think she showed a lot of personality when they yeah, lit her too. and i'll get into that more later um but I, when she was when when they lit her when they they took the the handcuffs on her off her i thought she was great i thought she showed a lot of personality um and that also gives me mixed feelings. I guess you could say this movie gives me a lot of mixed feelings because I would have actually preferred her to be a little bit more wooden, which is that's what was so weird to me is everybody's talking about how wooden she was. I would have preferred more wooden and I wouldn't have called it wooden. I would have called it stoic because I would have kind of preferred a more military-esque persona out of her. Uh, So I just think it's funny that what I wanted from that character is what everybody was complaining she did. And I'm like, no, I wanted more of that. Why is everybody saying there was too much of that? I wanted more. Like, that's all I was thinking is I just wanted more stoicness, I guess, out of her. And when I'm just like reading other people's reviews and that's all they're complaining about is how stoic she was. I was like, did we watch the same fucking movie? That's what blew my mind is I didn't feel like I was watching the same fucking movie as everybody else when everybody talked about her performance. Yeah, um, it's I and I can just to second that because, yeah, I, I even went today and on YouTube and I was just see- looking for a positive Captain Marvel review and I couldn't find one man like every it seemed like every review that I went to kind of the, were the same type of complaints Brie Larson was miscast and she was too wooden there she was too stoic and things like that and all I could keep thinking is, but even if that were the case, wouldn't that kind of be by design with the narrative? Because this is a character who has lost her memories. But before that, she had a military background and then she had trained. So she lost her memories and then she's been training with the Cree for six years and all they've been preaching to her. All um, Jude Law's character Jan Rock has been preaching to her is to suppress and reserve your emotions. Your emotions are bad. Don't show any emotion and stuff like that. Just be about the business of the Cree and suppress your emotions. So 
isn't it almost fitting that she was like that, you know, until, of course, through meeting other people and her interactions opened her up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because I, I could be wrong about this. Part of me wonders if just because of the way that they've built so many of the other characters in the Marvel Universe with the movies, if maybe it was just sort of a letdown because of what they wanted it to be. You know, even with if you think about Thor and his progression of like the type of character he was from the first movie into the third movie and how he was just silly and goofy. And he's supposed to be kind of like that same very like, you know, straight, straight edge, you know, straight man character or what have you. And then in the third movie, he's just kind of that really funny, goofy, more so character, you know. So I wonder if maybe it's part of just like the the standard that Marvel has kind of set for the way that they've built their own characters. And maybe if this was just sort of a letdown in that sense because of what they've seen with the other characters and how they're both the funny and the serious. And maybe they just expected something different out of that based on past movies. You know what I mean? I cannot. I have to disagree with you on that because many of these complaints arrived well before the movie came out. I mean, yeah, they said too. people oh, said people no. said Brie Larson and um, immediately this isn't like like I understand sometimes things are miscast. Like when Heath Ledger was cast as a Joker, I completely understand that because that was not a left field. Uh, I, even me, I was like, there's no way that this guy who was singing. Oh, I love you, baby. And bleaches in high school to uh, yeah. Whatever. Yet it totally wasn't was. miscast at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. but it was it was perfect casting. But Brie Larson, I mean, when it comes right down, she's a beautiful blonde haired, blue eyed, attractive, uh Academy Award winning actress. I mean, how was she miscast? Who do you put in that part? And as far as them right. saying I didn't expect I expected something different, it was different. She she not her Whoa. story was when I say it was different, it was from a different perspective. And and that's not what people wanted. Just like when Gail Godot was cast as woman Wonder Woman, when she's a perfect Wonder Woman, she's great as her. Actually, I just watched fucking Justice League, and the only thing good about that fucking movie was fucking Wonder Woman. But anyway. No, no, no. Well, all right, we're gonna get into that later. I will I will I want into on record too. I do disagree with you on that. Okay. All right. Well, that, and that's fine. And I don't want. And I don't want to go. I don't want to go on this. But you know, to, since we were talking about the Bible beforehand, seek and you shall find. You motherfucking meninist and you well, fragile-feeling okay. thin skin boys. You wanted to find right. flaws, and you did. You weren't objective. Yes, but that's not the people I was talking about. I'm not talking about these trolls that were giving negative reviews before the movie came out. I'm talking about actual movie critics. They were well, watching the movie just... in a lot. No, I know, but that's who I'm talking about when I'm okay, saying that I'm a lot right. of them were still saying she was wooden. No, no, yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm not touching no, those your motherfuckers. Your point's still valid, though, because there were a lot of trolls. Those, there were hella trolls. So you're still the, yes. right, but yeah. No, no, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and I understand why you thought I was going there. I'm just saying straight out, I'm not talking about those fuck sticks because their opinion is just completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just actual movie critics. A lot of them were still okay. saying she was wooden. Yeah. And and uh, just and if I didn't clarify that in the beginning, you know, that's on me cuz I that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about actual movie critics who I'm hoping 
are open enough to, you know, look past all this other bullshit, you know? So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some, there are, and I guarantee there are some of them that still hold a grudge, whatever. Yeah. But I'm talking about just the in general consensus. A lot of them were saying that. And that's where I had that problem. And I kind of see what Heather's saying. And with what, you know, this, the formula, formula that Marvel has built and everything. And maybe that's what bothered me about this character is I wanted this character to be different. I did not want this character to make quips and jokes and all this other shit. I wanted this to be a military fucking badass. That's who that's, I guess that's who I wanted out of this character. And and maybe that's my own fault for having that preconceived notion of what I wanted out of this character. And I didn't get it. And at least my version of the character isn't that far off of part of what we got, you know, um, it's just, I'm thinking, you know, like Justin said, it's a military pilot to a Cree soldier who's taught to suppress her emotions and all this other yeah. stuff. I thought she was showing too much emotion at the beginning. So you were looking for more like a, like a G.I. Jane, Sarah Connor type of character. Yes. I wanted, I wanted that mm. character until the end when she started to reconnect with her humanity. And then I thought the jokes and things like that would have been more uh, impactful and would have been more well placed. I could see that. I do. You know, like the more she was yeah. around, that's what I was thinking out of it. You know, I just thought with her, Carol Danvers, especially from the comics and stuff like that, like the times I've really loved her in the comics is when she was that military, no nonsense. I'm going to fucking, you know, do what I have to do type of fucking person. And, you know, so that's what I just thought. Like I said, that was what was funny to me is when I'm re- reading these reviews and I'm like, when I saw the movie and stuff like that, I just didn't feel like I was watching the same movie as these people. I guess it, it's the same to a lesser extent, it's the same experience I had when I watched Venom compared to when John Q. Public watched Venom. I didn't feel like we watched the same movie. I felt like they watched an infinitely better version of the movie that they got to see that for whatever reason, the movie theater I was in didn't screen that version of that movie. <laughs> because when I watched it, it was a different fucking thing. I, to me, it, it felt the same the way with Captain Marvel. They're talking about how she's too wooden, too wooden, too wooden. And I'm like, was she? I never got wooden. When it was inappropriate, there was times she was a little stoic and there was times she was a little bit more straight laced, but it never felt like it was, she did it at the wrong time. I felt like she made jokes at the wrong time. I felt like she was serious when it caused to be serious. I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Nobody's fucking picking on, you know, uh, what's his name? Chris Evans, when he's a little too serious in his scenes with Bucky in Winter Soldier. Yep. You know, nobody's picking uh, on him for being serious during serious moments. Not even you know, that. Why the fuck are they picking on her for being serious in serious moments? And the, and not even. And I'm glad you said something about Captain America because America and Chris Evans' performance and portrayal of him. Because most of the time, he's just kind of like, hmm, uh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, he's 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 so withdrawn in certain situations, and he's stoic, and he doesn't say I much. I feel and. I feel like you're getting into dangerous territory with my Marvel boyfriend. Listen, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not saying his betrayal is wrong at all. I'm just saying in comparison, just like you, he doesn't necessarily, he's the least quippy of all of the Avengers. You know what I'm saying? He's the, he's yes, the yeah. least, he is most, he, he's the least, he's typically the object. He's the object of quips. Yeah. He, he gets is. quipped at. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of like, he's kind of like, he's kind of like, and I'm sorry, Justin, you know, I love you, but he's like the Justin of the podcast, right? Like he's, <laughs> he is, he is such a boy scout and such a voice of reason that when he actually makes a joke, 
It's just funny because he made a fucking joke. It doesn't even have to be a good one. It's just, <laughs> he joked and we didn't know that you could do that or we had forgotten because it had been so long. You know what I mean? And so it just Damn, kind of affected me. Damn, he just buried you. I did not bury you. I didn't bury you. That's not, you know, that's not fair. He, essentially, he up. called you Captain but America, but really. I'm so. Captain America, so I'm going to call I just called you. I just called I just called you Captain America. He I could, did not, I buried you. Yeah, he, that's the, the best the, thing you can be you, called. Uh, you called him Captain America, but then you proceeded to Red Skull his ass and make sure he was buried in the Arctic. <laughs> no, I did not. Why did you? Okay, Justin, were you offended by that at all? Did that make sense? No, but I do have a valid point about Captain America <laughs> that I was just waiting that I was just waiting to make, but this has gone too long. Okay. But 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 what people forget about Captain America is that how many movies has this guy had to flesh him out Six. and to make him True. a little more relevant? So you gotta think about that too. To me, this is about where Captain America was in his first movie. Like there wasn't a lot of emotional resonance and stuff like that. And he was just kind of that good person because he was a good person and stuff like that. But as we went along, you got that character growth. And as he interacted with more people and there was more conflict and things like that, you got some of that with his fish out of the water story. This is her first movie. So I don't feel that it's fair to expect everything in this introduction film. Now you should now I do think we should expect some things and I'll get into I know we're going to talk about the problems later. But damn guys, like I'm reading some of these reviews and I'm like, guys, this is her first damn movie. Like I totally every, agree. Yeah. Everything had to be introduced. And then you're trying to balance all these things. You're trying to fit in MCU pieces. You're trying to introduce two opposing sides of, of armies that are fighting each other. Then you're trying to introduce a character and she's trying to find out her memories. But then you've got to do some things with Nick Fury. So there's a lot going on here. And I think for what it was, they most of this works. Like most of this worked, but to get those character intricacies, I think that people are looking for with her, we've got to see her in other movies. I'm sure that we're going to get Whoa. some more of that yeah. in Endgame. And I'm sure as she gets more movies, we'll get more of that stuff. So some some of this stuff, I just Whoa. feel like they got to wait. Well, one thing one thing I want to touch on that, on specifically what you're talking about, is and it, it shows... And I, I'm making a generalization here, and I'm not saying everybody that disliked this movie is sexist, but the where the sexism to me shines through when people are talking about this movie, other than their overt sexism with it, the, I'm talking about the subtle version of it, is like they're acting like every other origin story in the Marvel Universe was Iron Man. Like yes. all of them were like had the same charisma and personality and just intricacies that Robert Downey Jr. had with Iron Man. Like, do they not remember the first Thor movie, which I thought I think is <laughs> underrated, but you can't tell me that Chris Hemsworth nailed it and knocked it out of the park in the first Thor. Because he did. Yeah. I love he, the he Captain America movies. Over time, you, it just... He, yes, he became yeah. him. Like, 
Robert Robert Downey Jr. lucked out because Tony Stark is a very rich superhero version of Robert Downey Jr. Right. Yeah. So it works like Robert Downey Jr. And I'm not trying to take any credit away from his acting abilities, but fuck Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. Come on. Basically. Yeah. That's what it is. (laughs) He doesn't have to act as much as Chris Hemsworth would have to act as Thor. Yeah, I get yes, that. You know, and or like Steve or Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, you know. Um yeah. you know, like there is some more nuance that's a different character. Uh like look at Doctor Strange, look at Ant Man, stuff like that. Like I'm waiting for a Doctor Strange too, so then that way I can give a fuck about that character. Um <laughs> Yeah, but you no, know, I totally like get Man. where you're going with that. Like, yeah, but, like, but every everyone everyone else is now like when this movie came out, everyone else is acting like everybody else's origin stories. The characters were just as interesting as they were in Iron you Man. Know, so it's because they're like, acting like every out. performance was that, yeah. and it weren't. Yeah, the it, only exactly. one that I everyone would say else was already pretty shit. well. Sorry, the only thing I would say is the only character mostly well defined in the first movie was Black Panther. Yeah, that's it. It, 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 Ooh, it no. is I would I would say Captain America too though because Captain yeah, America is the true. most unevolving of all the characters. Captain America does not evolve. Captain America is more or less the most one track monotone character there is, and so it's very easy to like maintain that character because has this character changed at all? No, like, and it's because he was such like essentially like on a moral high ground that character hasn't needed to grow emotionally or like fit like. Well, physically, yes. Um, but yeah, in any other way, the character really hadn't had to grow because that's kind of the point of Captain America. He's like that morally superior moral person. Compass. So, yeah, like, yes. So he's never grown. Everyone else has. Everyone else has grown and adapted and changed throughout these movies. And it's just like you know, whenever they're seeing this character and they're like, "Oh, so we're gonna get this for like the next nine movies that she's like contracted to be in?" <laughs> no. Because you haven't gotten the same fucking character out of anybody else, exactly. Except Chris Evans, although he's I the would only say, one that's been the same. Can I expound on this? It's just so we can understand something. Besides Iron Man, typically in the second movie in the MCU is when you really get to see what those characters are made out of because they go through their uh, and Thor too. I said typically. Just give me a typically. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, no. I was just saying that Thor two is very much not a step forward well, in any nobody way. Nobody gives or form. a fuck about ass place, and so that's we've we've talked about that before. But just let me let me finish this one. Captain Marvel hasn't really um, hasn't faced her big trauma yet, and her time with the scrolls is what is going to change her and is going to make her a, a real badass for the people, much like Captain America. Because when, when you know, when, when, when Captain America came out, people were like, even I was like, I just didn't feel the super soldier right there. And after Winter Soldier, I was like, holy shit, Captain America's a motherfucking beast. And I think that's the same thing. After she comes back with these scrolls and traveling across galaxies and trying to find a home for them and being like a, uh, a Marvel Moses, if you will. I think that's what's going to change her, and that's going to be her trauma. You know, um, that's what's going to make her her essence. Uh, and and I just say, give it some time. If you think she she wasn't exactly defined as she should be, let's see what happens in the next couple of movies. That's all I'm saying. No, and I I do agree with that. One thing I will say, and this is I don't want to say it's a spoiler for Endgame. It's just it's a line I know. 
that apparently people have uh, seen from in-game that hasn't been shown in trailers or anything like that, but it's been shown in like footage that they've shown at like Comic-Cons or like South by Southwest, you know, that type of thing. But apparently somebody asks her something like, where has she been? And she said, well, other planets don't have the Avengers. More or less implying that after she takes the scrolls to wherever she takes them, she's been kind of hopping planet to planet, helping people out, kind of being like a, a an Avengers team onto herself for entire planets. So it, it to just kind of show what you were talking about, you know, that like I I drastically expect her character to be just a coin flip difference in this next movie. Uh because she will have seen some shit and been through some shit and done shit, you know, and done all this stuff that we haven't seen yet, that we haven't even heard talked about yet. So I'm fully expecting her character to be different because where all these other characters have grown over the last 11 years and all this other stuff, she's been doing it technically for longer. We just haven't seen it. True, true. So I'm really hoping in game. I'm really hoping in in-game they change that. They make I kind of just want to see her be different and then find out why later. You know, I w- I just want to see that difference. That would be awesome. And I I do think I do think that they're opening us up for that. Yeah. Um I totally agree. And just to put the last point on this, but yeah, like I totally agree with what you're saying. And I do believe that they leave it open just like you guys talk about. And that's why the harsh criticisms don't make a lot of sense to me, because in my opinion, and I don't know about you guys, but there are only like just a few stellar origin MCU films, like ones where you're like, these are exceptional. And to me, it's pretty much like Iron Man 1. To me, as far as the origin films are concerned, my my top three are like Iron Man 1, the first Guardians, Black Panther. And then I feel like the rest of them are kind of interchangeable. Maybe Spider-Man Homecoming, if you want to add that. That was his intro. That was like his first kind of introductory. But it wasn't an origin. But it wasn't really an origin movie, so I kind of don't count that. But honestly, man, it's those three, and then it is everything else. Everything else to me is fighting for that fourth spot. So, I mean, I I just, and that's why I just don't understand why this is viewed so harshly and like, oh, I was just expecting the world when, when have we ever been given the world with these origin films but a few times? So, just wanted to throw that in there. and, And agreed on that. That's a great point. Well, I agree with you, except for the fact of Guardians, because personally, I still think Captain America First Avengers better than Guardians, because it just felt like a it felt like a callback to the movies that not were made in the 40s, but were made about the 40s, like an Indiana Jones. It felt like an Indiana Jones movie with Captain America. Yeah, it's just it gets me every time. I understand what you're saying, Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um. And real quick, before I go into my dislikes and before we switch to dislikes, I do also want to mention Annette Benning, uh, being the Supreme Intelligence, the Dr. Jennings and Marvell. Um, I know a lot of people were mad that they changed the gender of Captain Marvell. I don't give a fuck about that. I do have some issues with that part, but not the gender part. I don't give a fuck. Seconded. I still think it would work either way. Yeah. Um, but let's let's go ahead and switch into some dislikes now because we've been kind of tiptoeing around it for a little bit. I'll start it off. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll just carry on what I was saying. My problem with Captain Marvel wasn't the fact that they changed the gender. It's kind of the fact that they changed the role of the character because Marvel 
was very much a soldier. And the fact that they changed Marvel to a scientist, as a huge fan of the character Marvel, that bothered me. That bothered me infinitely more than them changing the gender of Captain Marvel. It was just the fact that they changed, you know, into a scientist instead of a soldier. Um, one of my other big complaints about it that I kind of talked about earlier was the fact that they changed the role of the scrolls. You know, it worked for this movie. It worked for this movie, making the scrolls a sympathetic uh, character and everything like that. That to me, though, overall hurts the Marvel universe because the scrolls can be an amazing villain. And like I said earlier, I hope they come back as a villain later at some point, even if it's just a rogue faction of scrolls. I hope they show back up as a villain because that can I I feel like that opens more doors. And I think closing that door and making them just this race of people that are all good, a bad thing, because that's where a lot of my issues with this movie comes from is the fact that once again marvel fucking still did the same bullshit they always do for one this movie felt like a phase one movie to me and that truly bothered me we're in phase three doctor strange didn't feel like a fucking phase one origin story ant-man didn't feel like a phase one origin story why the fuck is captain marvel feeling like a phase one origin story that shit was 11 years old i mean the last one came out nine years ago with avengers so essentially 11, 11 to nine years ago is when we were having phase one. Why the fuck am I still getting that same type of story in this one? Black Panther didn't do that. Why are we doing it in this? I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity to, especially when you're debuting your first female uh, solo origin story uh, superhero. Why the fuck are we going back to that weird formula? Why the fuck are we having Yon Rog be the villain who ultimately didn't matter? Like Yon Rog was a nothing throwaway villain. Throwing away the scrolls and making them a good guy. It's just like killing them off. That's all this movie was, was killing them off again. It's just like going back to the days where they kill every villain once after the first movie. It's the same shit. And that's what we got in this movie. We got the same type of throwaway shit with that. And that really bothered me. Because as much as Marvel learns from a lot of their mistakes and they grow and they continue to change, I felt like they took a ton of steps back with the way they did that story with this movie. Um, I also felt like they had Brie Larson in handcuffs this for most of this movie. Brie Larson, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Brie Larson is an amazing actress. She's fucking great. Yeah, without a doubt. And I felt like they did not let her shine enough. I felt like they held her hands back. You know, I felt like her performance was very form- formulaic. I really always have problems with that fucking word. I don't know why I always end up trying to <laughs> use it. Formulaic. Yes, formulaic. I don't know why. I fuck it that word up every time I say it. And yet my sentences always seem to gravitate towards that word. Um, And that bothered me. Like, why are you doing that to this character? Like, let her do it. You know, let her be the badass she can be. I, Like I said, I just felt like they held her back and I did not understand why. You know, I didn't feel like they did that to other characters. Why did they do that to her? It made no fucking sense to me that they did that. They have an Academy Award winning fucking actress in this role and they just underutilized her and you could tell it wasn't her performance doing it you could tell she was doing what the fucking script told her to do you know that's what the script and the director told her to do and that's what she was doing um i had some problems with some of that stuff i have i had some problems with some of the cgi at the end when she went to the mirror when she got stuffed up in that mirror oh my god that looked like total shit oh to me it wasn't even that 
to to me it was that one scene where she's like you know she's destroying some Kree shit and she's you know she's got the mohawk look which I love that fucking look um but when she's in the 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 spacesuit version of it where she's yeah, got the I mask the and the mohawk yeah. and doing all that shit there's one scene there's that one scene where she comes like straight at the camera like she's flying up and then like kind of pauses for a second before she does like you know turns directions and goes you know down into some shit and they really focus on her mouth in that scene which made no sense to me because that shit looked plastic. Like the rest of the <laughs> suit was fine, except that mouth, the one aspect of her fucking face you could see straight looked like a fucking Barbie doll's mouth. I'm like, why the fuck did you focus and linger on that with the mouth being in the center of the screen? Why did you do everything you could to possibly draw attention to the worst looking aspect of this design at the moment? But that's what they chose to do. No idea why. Um, I felt like maybe they spent so much time and money on de-aging Samuel L. Jackson, which not, they really didn't have to do because Samuel L. Jackson does not look that off from that character. Um, maybe it's uh, for the guy that plays Coulson, whatever his but name is. But it looked is. really amazing, though. At the I'm just saying either way. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they spent a lot of money on him because that is a drastic change. That's a drastic change. Yeah, it kind of looks for the most part like they just kind of threw a wig on on Samuel L. Jackson and they called it a day. Uh, you know, maybe smoothed out a couple of wrinkles here and there. Maybe gave him some Avon or some shit. But <laughs> for the most part, they you know it just that part was weird to me. Clark um, Craig, Clark Gregg is his name. Yes, Clark Gregg. Um, yeah, that's what always bothered me about the guy. He's got two first names. Um, but like, it really bothered me. Like, what does, why does Marvel do that? Why does Marvel movies look so fucking amazing for 99% of the movie? And it always feels like the end battle scenes, they ran out of money for special effects. Like you're fucking Disney. We know you have the money. Just fucking finish the movies off. Right. It's nowhere near as bad as black Panther was at the end. And that fight scene, it does not go that bad. No, fuck. It goes bad. It goes bad. And it bothers me. I'm like, come the fuck on, get it together. You're you're fucking Disney. You got the shit. Um, like that really bothered me a lot with a lot of that shit. Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, I really kind of felt like Brie Larson should have been more stoic. I think she should have been more military esque, especially at the beginning. Um, like once again, though, like with the way they portrayed the Kree, like Yon Rog was the worst kept secret in Marvel history. Like everybody, like once they said his name, if you know anything about the comics, you know, he's the fucking bad guy of the movie. Like, come on. Like yon is a nemesis of Captain Marvel's. And, you know, so like once you found out his name, you're like, oh, well, that's nothing. Um, And so it just and then he was also nothing like as a villain. He was in it so fucking little that like I felt like that was a waste, too. You know, I just. Really wish they could amp some stuff up because I mean Jude Law is a fucking good actor. Like, why are you utilizing him for ultimately like twenty one minutes of screen time for this entire fucking movie? Um, it's just a lot of that. Just like really, really kind of bothered me. Like I said, the fact that it felt like a Phase One movie. I guess that's my ultimate takeaway of what I did not like about this movie. Is it felt like a movie that should have came out nine years ago? It did not feel like a Marvel phase three about to be phase four. We're getting to the end game. You know, it didn't feel like this is the movie that should have preluded in game. It just felt a little too off. And I, and like I said, it's that just really, really bothered me just for so much of this movie when I'm watching it. 
I'm like, yeah, this is shit they've done before. This is shit they've done before. This is shit they've done before. And I know people aren't expecting like Marvel movies to break the mold, but I didn't feel like I got the little tweaks that Marvel's done for so many of their, like their last few movies. I felt like every movie, they learned at least one lesson from the one before it and they changed something. And this one, it felt like they wrote it like five years ago because they, it didn't have the lessons from the last five years. Uh, and I just, that did not sit well with me for just so much of this movie. Um, and it kind of detracted me from a lot of the stuff. And another thing that really bothered me was the fact that Nick Fury lost his eye to the, the Flunkerton or whatever the fuck that cat was called. Flurkin. Um, the Flurkin. Flurkin. Yeah, that's right. That A comes out of fucking nowhere. B, it doesn't set up for the story that Nick Fury had set it up to be. The last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. That felt like such a huge fucking letdown for that to be the last person he trusted was a fucking alien cat. And then once he had seen the tentacles come out of its mouth, why the fuck was he still trusting it? I understand being on its side, you know, wanting it to be one of its teammates, his teammates, because that shit, you know, could fuck everybody up. But why would he be trusting it, though? You know, why would he be like, oh, it still looks like a cat. So I still just think in my heart of hearts, it's a cat, even though I've seen gigantic tentacles come out of its mouth and murder people. Like, it just felt such a lit down for such an iconic fucking Nick Fury line. That was one of my favorite lines from Winter Soldier. And it felt like it just got thrown away with for nothing. Like, you know, I would have accepted it if that was another red herring. Because they kind of kept doing some red herrings with his eye throughout this movie. Like, with the whole shit with the scroll in his car. And, you know, he gets in the car wreck and all this other shit. And he's got some damage to his eye. And he's covering And they're like, oh, how's your eye? And he takes away, you know, the thing. And you just see that there's like a cut above his eye, you know. I would have accepted if they did another fake out with this, like they were like, oh, that's how he got the scars around his eyes, but that's not actually how he lost it. I would have accepted that, but the fact that they're actually using this as the legitimate explanation of how he lost his eye just felt like such a fucking waste of what they could have done with that character and that moment that feels like it should have had more weight than ultimately they gave it. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to get into an argument here, but it's probably going to lead to one. Yeah. But I will say it does make sense to his paranoia because, you know, one of the cutest, cuddliest, most adorable things in the world ripped, you know, scratched his eye out. And so now he's learned the lesson like you don't trust anything, no matter no matter how defenseless it looks, no matter how, you know, uh, magnanimous or, or, you know, or, or safe it looks, it can still fuck you up. And so that's the lesson he learned. It just so happens that nobody's really going to believe that when he tells a story that this cat did it to him because they don't understand what this cat was capable of. So same time, you know, when you look at it like that is those, those lessons you never intended to learn. Maybe they didn't have a lot of excitement, but they taught you a lot. I think it just added some levity to his character because, you know, Nick Fury has been a very serious character throughout the entire MCU. So it was nice to see some funny shit with him to me. Yeah, no, but we, but we had had a whole movie of that already. We had a whole movie of levity from what? him at what this point. Super funny at. So like to me, that no, that's what I'm talking about. This movie right here. Because uh, that yeah, scene yeah. happens at the end. I'm saying we'd already got levity from him the entire movie 
why did we have to have that scene be a levit you know a scene with levity too yeah. type of thing is what i'm saying you know because also it would have been a very easy way for that not to happen you just give the little flonkerton or whatever the fuck it is and i know flonkerton is the name of the game in the office when they're doing the office olympics where they stand on the the reams of paper and they do the race that way that's <laughs> yeah. flonkerton but i know i'm wrong on that but still i'm just going to keep saying flonkerton so when i say flonkerton i really mean somebody else say what it is flarkin think of twerking but with a fluff sound yes that flark something okay so so a flonkerton and what he should have done is he should have given the flonkerton belly scratches like it was a cat i know a lot of people say that that's a death trap but they're not cat whisperers like me who can give any cat ever belly scratches. And if he had done that with the flonker tin, he'd still have two eyes. I'm just saying that. <laughs> wow. Are you? Uh... I'm just saying every, every cat I come across, I give it belly scratches. And guess what? I have two eyes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Point proven. That's, that's scientific evidence right there. Just get me around a lion. I'll give it belly scratches. And guess what? I'll still have two fucking eyes. I might not have a head. Or, like, both my arms. But I guarantee you, I'll give a lion belly scratches and I'll still have two eyes. Just saying. Um, <laughs> okay. But we'll keep, the, we'll, we'll, keep the, we'll keep the dislikes rolling here. Heather, what did you not like about Captain Marvel? So, I first want to say, I actually didn't mind that it was more of a phase one movie. Just because, you know, like, the way that Infinity War ended. Where... You're like, oh, what is the what is the pager? What does that mean? Who is that? And then it, it just kind of I'm I guess I'm associating it with like if you were watching a TV show and they were doing a flashback episode. So for me, it didn't actually bother me. I think it kind of worked with um, how they set it up leading up to the next movie coming out, which is Endgame. It didn't actually bother me that much. I see your point and like the reasons why for you it was like it felt like a step backwards. But I think for what they were trying to do with it um, and the fact that, you know, they were, I mean, essentially she was the, f she was prior to the Avengers, you know, she was kind of like that first superhero that Nick Fury, you know, was um, associated with and just how that all started. And I, I actually think that they, they did it well for the most part and how they, they worked that into the story. So that actually didn't bother me that much, but I will agree with you about the CGI. I think that that was, um, it was not super amazing. It kind of looked fake at mm. some parts of it mm -hmm. um, more than it should have for what the movie was, especially because Infinity War had such great, you know, CGI and everything. So I, I feel like that definitely should have been better than it was. So I definitely agree with you on that point. Um, also, not a fan of the reason they gave for Fury losing his eye. I just I feel like it didn't quite fit. I mean, Devin, I think you did make a good point of the whole, like, you never know what you can and can't trust, you know, kind of thing. I do get that. So that does make a little bit of sense. But I just feel like it wasn't quite the, the right fit for, you know, because the whole thing surrounding like, oh, he has one eye. Like, what's the story behind that? And it just it didn't feel like quite the right fit for me either on that. Um, they they tried to work it into... Um, you know, his previous statement about it, where they had that line of, I'm trusting you not to eat me or whatever it was that he said, like, they tried to work it into it. So I, I see that they tried to make it, you know, fit with what they had previously said in other movies. But I don't know, I just feel like it wasn't quite like a, 
oh, okay, that makes sense kind of thing. It was more of like, oh, that's that's what he meant. You know, it was just more of that kind of feeling for me specifically. Um, something that I would say that it, it somewhat goes along with a like, um, but it's even though that I, I did like Larson and the supporting characters, I do feel like the supporting characters in a lot of instances outshined Captain Marvel in some regards, which probably isn't a good thing considering that it's supposed to be a movie about her. So that was interesting. Um, honestly, other than those couple of things, there, there weren't really too many dislikes for me. I definitely liked it way more than I didn't. But just the fact that so many of the supporting characters, like Samuel L. Jackson specifically and Ben Mendelsohn, they just really kind of, they were kind of on that same level of people that you cared about in this movie more than Captain Marvel, or at, at least at the same level as Captain Marvel for me. So I, I feel like that was, it was cool that they made the supporting characters such a relevant and important part of the story. But also it's like, did they do it too much to where you kind of care about them more than you care about Captain Marvel? So that was my only thing that kind of was a little bit of a disconnect other than the CGI part of it. So, um, but other than that, like I said, there's not a whole lot that I didn't like about the movie. So granted, I, I haven't read the comics, you know, so if it doesn't really match with the comic book story, that's not something that I'm familiar with. So I don't really mind that they made a couple of changes with, you know, like you said, Captain Marvel, they changed the gender and the Skrulls actually being the main villain and they kind of made them good in this movie. So those things didn't actually bother me. I think they kind of added to the story a little bit. Um, but yeah, so just there, there's not a lot, but just those few things that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. I, I, I do want to interject one thing real quick that you, you specifically reminded me of Heather. Another reason or another thing that bothered me in this movie is the way that Marvel died. Like Marvel kind of died like a bitch. <laughs> and one thing I've always loved. And one reason why, one reason why Marvel is one of my favorite characters in comics is he's one of the few comic book characters that's ever died of natural causes, essentially. Because he was, you know, he is a Kree yeah. soldier and everything like that. But ultimately, he died of cancer. Now, granted, the cancer was given to him by this weird super toxin and everything like that. But ultimately, he still died of cancer. And now I know there is a huge debate on whether or not it was cancer that killed him or the fact that he kisses the embodiment of death in the comic books. But that was just something I always loved about that character is that the character was literally lying on a deathbed and like people were coming to visit him and stuff like that. Cause he was just dying. He wasn't like in something and died. And that was always one of the most impactful things about uh, Marvel to me in the comics, especially for the fact that in all actuality, Marvel has never come back to life. He's one of the few comic book characters that's never directly come back to life in the Marvel 616 universe, which if anybody knows what that means, the Marvel 616 universe is the continuity of the comic books. The regular continuity of the just regular Marvel comics is the 616 universe. And He's never directly come back to life like that. There has been a scroll that came back as Captain Marvel and his, you know, when they stole Marvel's memories and implanted it in the scroll, the scroll was so overwhelmed by the personality of Marvel that it legitimately believed it was Marvel and then fought the scrolls hmm. because of the personality of Marvel was so overwhelming. Marvel has been brought up in That's some cool. of the alternate universes like Earth X and stuff like that is essentially being the savior of the universe. Um, so Marvel has appeared. His son, Genusvel, has been in some stuff and taken the moniker of Captain Marvel. Um, but like that just kind of bothered me that like in a way his 
his slash her death in the movie was not as impactful as it was in the comics. Like I, it was, it worked for the movie, but as the character in a nitpicky, like I'm a huge fanboy of the Marvel character that like bothered me just on that note. The fact that, that she died in a battle, which I know they really couldn't have fit dying of cancer into the movie, but I think it would have been kind of cool if when Danvers came back to earth, Marvel was in the hospital dying of cancer instead and like died when they were like there's so much yeah. you need to know about the Korean death I could see that died of cancer um you know it's just one of those little nitpicky things that like I don't want to say cheapens the character it just makes it to where they didn't need to use Marvel if they were going to do that with the character I guess that's my thing with it not the fact that Annette Benning was Marvel that didn't bother me it's just the way they used the name Marvel just to name drop Marvel and the fact that it's you know, increasingly weird to just have to force yourself to say Marvel instead of Marvel uh, with it all. And it's also kind of fun as a thing to say is Marvel because it is spelled that way. It's M-A-R hyphen B-E-L-L. Just in case anybody was wondering with that, that is how you spell that character's name. Um, but yes, that's and I don't know what you said in your explanation, Heather, that reminded me of that, but you did. But I do get what you're saying, though, with the whole comic book thing of not having that association with the comics. So some of those things not bothering you. And, and, and and honestly, to me, that's good because 90% of people watching this movie probably haven't read her comics. Yeah. And the fact that those things didn't bother you is to me a good thing because you're not noticing the changes then, you know, that means the changes they did. Storytelling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. it It made sense to you. You know, so, you know, people like me, while we might have been bothered by some of those, the fact that you weren't kind of puts you in the category with most people, which just kind of shows that ultimately, I guess you can say in a way they made the right choice to a degree because Mm -hmm. normal people weren't bothered by it. And so I guess to me, that's a good testament to, you know, with with how they change some of those things. Devin, your turn. What do you what did you not like? All right. Well, this is what sucks about going third. Because a lot of things get hit. Um, I also am in the camp of not liking how Nick Fury's eye got lost. I thought it should have been more of a revelation. But I'm just trying to find some way to make it make sense with his character. And and line up with what he says in... um, Was that Winter Soldier? Is that when he says that line? Uh, Yeah, okay. So, um, so a few things that I didn't like is I didn't really get to see Nick Fury be as much of a badass. Like he kind of went along what was happening, but he never got a chance to really show the signs of the Nick Fury that we know, in my opinion. Uh, and I would have liked to see that. I also thought that, um, Mark or whatever his name was, was an unnecessary villain. If the whole point of this film was just to show the empowerment of Captain Marvel, I don't think that you really need to show him as much or at all, or you need to give him a bigger role in something a little bit more sinister. Uh, so, I, you know, Mark Lar, whatever his name is, Comb Dash, whatever his name is, I don't care. Um, I, I really wasn't feeling his character. Yeah, Yon Rog. Yeah. Yon Rog. Uh, young, young Rog, <laughs> if you will. Young Rog. Little Rog, he um, he was just kind of throwaway, uh, like Little Rog. I kind of like Little Rog. Rog the best. So Little Rog, but he did survive, so he can call him a mischief. Uh, I did like how he got deboed at the end, though. I really liked that, even though this is a dislike section. 
Um, but I mean, there's nothing I can really say that hasn't already been iterated. Um, of course, the CGI had some problems, uh, and um, there's nothing really different I can say. I, I as a, I as a whole uh, really like this film, so it's hard for me to go in on it uh, too hard. And all of the unnecessary hate just makes me not really want to shit on it too much. So if you want to uh, hear people shit on it, just uh, go online and go to YouTube or something and go to negative Captain Marvel review and you'll have days of info. Well, I think you can. Yeah. I think you can nail it the first time. Just go online. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, 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 just go, go online, online and <laughs> you'll find just, what you want. I'm, you know, if, if you were listening to this podcast, hoping we're going to venom it, it's just not going to happen because it really just ain't that bad. Really comes right down to it. Uh, it's a, it's a middle of a ro- of the road origin story for the MCU. So it's it's not exactly Thor, and it definitely ain't Black Panther. It's somewhere in the middle, and that's a hundred percent fine. Not every film in the MCU is meant to blow you the fuck away. In my opinion, all the problems with this film is because it's a setup film. It's a stepping stone. It's if you like this, you haven't seen nothing yet. And and that's what the yeah. whole point of this film was to give her a proper <laughs> introduction because she deserves one because she's one of the most important characters in Marvel when it comes right down to it. And she's one of the most powerful characters in Marvel. So it, it wouldn't do her justice to give her the old war machine treatment as a tag along character because that's not what Captain Marvel is. As far as movie to comic books and their relation, when it comes right down to it, the movies are the movies and the comics are the comics. And let's not forget there. My main concern is if the thematic elements and the feel of those characters is correct. You can change the story as much as you want to, as long as the feeling and the themes and the and the 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 uh, the core of the character is there. You know, like, uh, you know, just as an example, uh, in the X-Men Last Stand, there's a mutant that can take away your powers and Rogue goes to get her powers taken away. And I love that because even though it never happened in the comic, that's something Rogue would do because she hated her powers. And, 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 I, and I loved that. Mm. So I am not looking for a panel for panel recreation of anything when it's adapted from something else, because I understand that there are so many things that are hard to translate from book to movie, from comic to movie, what have you, except for fucking anime. Fuck anime movies. They're all shit. Same thing for video game movies. Stop fucking making them. They fucking <laughs> suck. Don't make any more of them. Stop it. I'm done. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I want to I want to piggyback off something you specifically said, because I'm the worst about this. And I never get everything out all at once until I hear other people say something. I'm like, oh, yes, I need to bring this up. It's an, And it's actually a like. It's not even a dislike. It's the end of the whole thing whenever she's fighting Yon-Rog. And he's like, he takes off his little gauntlets. And he's like, yeah, let's duke this out. Yeah, I and love that. And then she that. just fucking blasts yeah, him. I love that. Because why the fuck wouldn't you just blast him? Right. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. It's, it's just like, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it very much is an obvious callback to Indiana Jones. With the guy with the swords in the bazaar. Oh, yeah. And he just goes, fuck this, and, and shoots the guy. it's also a combat. Yeah. It's a callback to Captain <laughs> America and the Ultimates universe when they're like, what are you going to do? Kick a man when he's down? And he's like, that's the best time to kick a man. <laughs> no, no, no. 
no, no. The, the the very specific line is he's with a Silver Surfer. He's with it's no. It, it is a it is Captain Marvel. Is it in the Ultimate Universe? And they're talking about he. Well, it's yeah. Marvel and Captain America, and they're fighting one of the many Silver Surfers in that universe. And he goes, "What is your culture's take on kicking a man when they're down?" And Captain America says, "There's no better time to kick them," and then yes, kicks the guy. Which was awesome. Uh, I, it's not exact. It's not exact, but that's pretty much what happens. But I just love that because I love that callback to the beginning, where like, why would you fight this guy hand to hand? Fuck that! Shoot him with your blasters. It's not your fault that he's got gauntlets that do it, and you can just do it. Fuck that noise. Which I also, Blast the fucker. I also want to say I do like the part um, a little bit before that part in the movie where she she says something about how, you know, you've had like you've had my hand tied behind my back for all this time. I wonder what happened if I was just free or something like that. And I really loved that part of it because it was like that whole time they were trying to make they were acting like she was all all powerful and she had everything she needed because of what they were telling her. And then she realized like, actually you were holding me back this whole time. And I'm more powerful without whatever you were telling me I needed to do. And I really enjoyed that part of the movie and just how she delivered that part and how that came across in the movie. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And just to add with that, I think that that was kind of the crux of the female empowerment story in this because more than the villain yeah. was Little Rog, the villain really in this was containment, <laughs> like suppression, like people and surroundings and life limiting you. Because that's kind of what was in her yeah. life. You know, we saw the flashbacks. The father was not believing in her. Then she was in the military and they weren't so... They weren't so nice to her. Then she was trying to be a pilot. Yeah. And then, but, but there were rules that women couldn't fly in the military. And so there was all of that containment there. Then when she goes with the creed, they're trying to suppress and contain her powers. So this movie really is about, and, and, and for a lot of females, that is their story. You know, it's just all of these different forces and things and that is kind of the whole feminist story is that because of all of these limitations, we're trying to rise above that. We're trying to show that we have equal rights. We're trying to be treated as equals. So I think that was significant. Like that was her villain. It was all these people trying to suppress her. There was mental limitations because she lost her memory. But then there were all these physical things happening and then there was just life also containing her and finally when she like set herself free and realized that she was limitless she was so that's kind of the yeah i feel like that was the empowering story of it all and for and and i think for the most part that landed yeah i agree no no i mean i i do agree with you on that justin but justin it's your turn to say what you didn't like. So quit that. I like shit. <laughs> Tell us what you didn't like. No, actually, that was a perfect segue because actually what I was talking about is kind of part of my dislike because I can see how somebody could be writing that. In, and on paper, th that was a great idea. It, it, and it and it was. That is a good idea. Like and, it, and that's a very different way of kind of telling this superhero story where you kind of make all of these 
the these villains or bad people or things around her. Everyone in her life, in in Carol Danvers' life, kinda was a villain, except for um, Maria, her close friend, and those people that she was close to. But it was almost like whether she had powers or not, she was kind of always fighting the same thing. So I can see how that's a very empowering message. But kind of what you were saying a little bit earlier, Heather, the supporting characters stood out a little bit more. They 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 stole scenes from Brie Larson, and it seemed like they just had a little bit more emotional resonance. And I totally get that. And that and therein is my problem. I feel like the empowerment story landed for the most part. It stuck the landing, but I feel like there was a lot of turbulence and there was a lot of things. It was kind of shaky, though, like we almost didn't make it on the runway. And I think the main reason for that is because of the lack of, I guess, development that they gave for the Captain Marvel character with respect to that story, because I to- I think everybody on here totally got the fact that Brie Larson was tough. I mean, this was one tough chick. Like, I mean, from the time she was a child and her dad saying, why, you know, she's trying to drive carts like her brother or she's trying to be a pilot and they're not allowing females to be pilots. So this was a tough chick from the get go. But I never really got the why, man. And that bothers me to no end. That bothers me more than anything. Why was she like that? What made her ultimately like that? Obviously, she was a rebel. Obviously, she wanted to prove people wrong. And obviously, she was determined to do that. And finally, she had her moment at the end, and it was great. But what? But why? Like, what was her motivation? What happened as a child that made her want to be this rebel? Where did that desire come from? What was the pivotal moment of conflict where she had to choose, okay, am I just going to be a woman like everybody else in the late 80s and just succumb to this societal pressure? What made her go against the grain? What made her special? Like her friend Maria told us in that impassioned speech, man, you were always awesome. You were always great. But I still didn't feel that I understood what made her awesome. And I really just feel like Brie Larson, this is why I feel like, especially Sterling commented on it, and you did too, this is where it feels like the Brie Larson, the actor, was handcuffed. Because there needed to be a scene with her to put all that together. She needed to say that to someone. She needed to tell us that. We needed to understand Hmm. once she knew who she was, why she kept getting up all those times. That montage where she was getting up all those times, getting up as a child, getting up as a young adult, getting up. Yes, I love that. Getting up as a as a um uh uh, on the military training, getting up as a pilot, and then finally getting up as Captain Marvel. Powerful stuff. But man, it didn't pack the punch that it needed to. It hit me in the stomach, but I didn't fall down. Like it just didn't quite knock me out because we needed that scene with Brie Larson, in my opinion, where 
all of this just comes to a head. And they glossed over it a few times in the movie, but we never just got the scene where she gives us the answer. And like there were part there were so many things that they glossed over. Like I remember the little the the adorable little black girl, uh Lieutenant Trouble. I'm just gonna call her that. I don't remember her actual name, but Captain Marvel called the Lieutenant Trouble. When she's going mm-hmm. over all of the pictures of everybody and she says, you really didn't get along with your parents. And that's why we were your family. Man, I wanted to know more about that. Man, I was like, oh yeah. man, wh- why is that? What happened to that? Like, so my hope is, is that we get some more of this in another movie. I'm really holding out and really just hoping we get that. But looking at this film at face value, because we didn't get that scene where Brie Larson really got to act and say, look, this is why I can't just be what they tell me. This is why I can't just be what everybody wants me to be. We needed that scene and I feel like it was missing. And I feel like that was the scene that people needed to really connect with the Captain Marvel character. Other than that, she was confident. She played the role with confidence. She and and, and that's what she came off as. She was confident. She was a smart ass at times, but fine. That was fun. And and overall, she got to where she needed to go. She realized her power and she got there. But man, I ju- we just I just needed a little more on the back side of that. A little more of the inner Carol Danvers to really put all that together. So that's my main, main big complaint. And the only other thing that I can say is, Sterling, you hinted at it with saying that it felt kind of like a phase one movie. And I feel like some of the reason for that is that nothing about this movie was distinct to me other than the female lead. Like, other than that being the, the real draw and like it's historical because this is mcu's first female lead solo film but the film itself doesn't really feel that distinct nothing for the most part feels fresh or new and when we got inklings of it that's what we really like like the cat goose that's fresh that was kind of a fresh idea and stuff like that so we enjoyed that this talos character yeah yeah, basically, right? Like, and this Talos character, that was kind of fresh. Seeing him, seeing a scroll, our first interaction with him, that's why I think we gravitate to that stuff more. But when you look at the movie as itself, we're back to the chase for the Tesseract. And even though it's a different chase for the Tesseract, we've seen that kind of film before. We've seen the chase for the Tesseract. We've seen everybody trying to get the Tesseract. So, that aspect doesn't quite feel fresh. We've seen space warfare. We've had a number of Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So the spaceships flying around shooting beams doesn't quite feel fresh. I mean, nothing offensive happened, but we've seen these ideas before, right? We've kind of seen this. A character loses their memories and try to pick up and recollect the pieces. People seeming evil, but under the surface, they're really not. These are all kind of familiar beats. And I feel what was missing from Captain Marvel was just that something that made it distinct. And I think maybe they thought the 90s dressing maybe was that, 
But because they were trying to be subtle and not overdo it with that, you just didn't get the feeling that you were in anything distinct. And either way, you're still on Earth. So it still just feels familiar. We're on Earth with Nick Fury. It it still just kind of feels familiar. And I think that's kind of why this movie lands in a good but not great category. Because Black Panther, it's distinct. Like, 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 you know... When you hear the African drum beats and you see the mountains and stuff like that, you know you're in Wakanda. You know we're talking about Black Panther. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, that's distinct. When you hear that 70s, 80s music and all that old school music and that old school feel and the ship is just grooving, like you know, and we're in space, you know that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like Doctor Strange. The, the special effects in Doctor Strange, kind of the Inception-like special effects and people slipping in and out of portals and stuff like that, very distinct. And I don't feel that Captain Marvel had that moment where it felt like something that sets it apart. So then it just winds up being kind of this good chapter. It's an okay chapter, didn't do anything wrong, but it didn't have that extra to really set it apart. And we didn't get that character development to make her a standout character yet, because I'm still holding out for that. So ultimately, this film falls in kind of the categories that you guys talked about. It's good, but not great. It, 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 it winds up being okay in every facet, but just not enough to really separate it from what we've seen so far in the MCU. Okay, so Justin, I I, I have a I, I I really want to challenge what you just said. I I know this is a foolish a foolish sure. errand, but an errand nonetheless that I'm going to run. Um, so just a quick question. Now, I believe that you hit it right on the head. This movie is not distinct. Besides it being a female led MCU movie. It is not distinct. But however, I do have a question for you. And forgive me if I stumble through this because I have had a lot of maker's mark. Um, Do you think that you would have needed that moment where it shows why she has such an indomitable spirit if this was not an MCU movie? The reason I'm saying that, (laughs) the reason I'm saying that, because in other cinema protagonists, like let's just use Star Wars like a Luke Skywalker. There's not necessarily a moment of to why he continues to push forward. He's a farm boy. Somebody goes, you got a lot of force in you. Cool, I got force in me. I'll go train train on Dagobah with Yoda. And Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. And now I am raw. Indiana Jones is just raw because he's raw. Um, Even somebody like, if you want to go female, Sarah Connor. She at first was pretty much a damsel in distress. And then when you see her in Terminator 2, she's just a motherfucking monster. She's a badass. Um, you know, you know, and so here's what I'm saying. Cause in the MCU, everybody has these moments where they show what drives them. But to me, when I watch this movie and I, I watch Carol Danvers story, it reminded me of Million Dollar Baby. There's a line that says, any good fighter just has this little tick about them. Even though, whether it's good or bad, you just can't beat it out of them. I have a child who is a child of will. He is only four years old. There's no 
moment that made him just this child who's going to do what he wants to do. It's just who he is. And that's how I looked at Carol Danvers. There's not a moment. That's just how she came out. Sometimes I just think people just come out destined to do great things. You know, uh, how I look at some of the people who are on this conversation right now, it, when, when it comes right down to it, some people are just marvelous. And you can try to trace it back or replicate it or explain it, but it never happens. And I, I, it's not that I don't think that you're wrong about this movie not being distinct. I just think you're wrong about that point of that. We don't need to see the her at five years old and she's trying to put together a fucking erector set and fucking her mom comes in and goes, you can do anything. You just have to believe in yourself. I just don't think it's necessary to, to in this movie to define that character. That's just what I'm saying. No, I got you. Oh, go ahead, Heather. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, if I can just quickly interject here, um, I do definitely agree with um, most of what you were saying, too. I I also feel like, you know, the story about how she's not close with her parents, it was vaguely referenced, but um, along the lines of what Devin was saying, like, maybe the fact that she wasn't close with her parents, maybe that's why she is so strong-willed and so independent, able to take care of herself and do all these things on her own. Um, granted, we don't get that in this movie. It's kind of just something that you assume or you can just kind of, you know, imagine might be the case, which you're right. I do hope that, you know, in other movies, they maybe kind of go into that a little bit more. And I think also just perspective wise, the whole, um, I, I, that montage when she's, when, you know, you see her continuing to get up, you know, in every phase of her life and all the things that she's been through and you see her, she gets knocked down and she gets back up. For me, I feel like that was kind of that moment of her realizing again, like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I fall down and I get up because that's me. You know, I feel like that was her moment of realizing that that is who she is because this whole journey of this whole movie is her trying to figure out who is she? You know, she's so confused. She doesn't remember much of anything. And I feel like that was the moment when she was like, this, I remember. I remember this specifically. And that, I think that's why it resonated more with me is because I feel like that was her moment of realizing I know who I am now. I remember, you know, so aside from that, I do agree with your points and I do hope okay. they get a little bit more into what she's saying. But for that part of it, I think it resonated with me more and I liked it more because I feel like that was her moment of seeing like, okay, yeah, I remember who I am now. Heather, you know? I, I love you. No, I think that I, was great. I, that's a good, that's, that's good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> very good. No. And I totally agree with that. Um, that's, I agree with that actually. Like there's nothing really for me to say against that. I just, I don't know. I guess all I'd wanted was just to hear it from her. Like, yeah, I guess I get we, it. we more or less saw it. I mean, you know, but she did in that scene go, you're right, because the 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 intelligence told her you're only human. And then it was that realization that that's the part of me that makes me awesome is I've always mm -hmm. gotten up. I've always gotten. So I totally get that. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. 
and she did say, you're right, I'm human. And that was kind of her realizing that. And she, and this was a character that lost her memories. And that's why I'm kind of like, I'm holding out. Like, you, you know, I just needed yeah. her it's to hard because, emote that yeah. some, uh, like, with emotions, with more, like, acting emotions, I guess, than more powering up or going Super Saiyan. But I totally get where yeah. you're coming from, though. And I it's do agree. It's hard because a that- lot of a lot of what you hear about her story is coming from other people because they remember it and she doesn't. So that's what makes it hard to be like, if we could hear it from you, it would be a little bit more impactful. But the fact that that was her moment of realization was a really powerful moment because it was at such a significant point in, in her story and in the movie that she did realize it, which is, I think what made it powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think you're totally right. And I'm pretty sure when they wrote it on paper, that's what they had. And that was what they thought would land. And I guess I'm just, you know, but I think why maybe it didn't land so much is like, is exactly what you said. We heard it from everybody else. And because we didn't get that moment with her, some people look at the powers and the special effects and the CGI and they're like, you know, some people tend to look at that and go, okay, that's what a Marvel character is going to do. But I need the, I need to see this person and that kind of, I need to see him flawed and in the dirt and kind of like, uh, to really get behind him. So I can see yeah. where some people might've thought that was missing. And I guess that's what I was trying to explain, but I totally get what, where you're coming from. And that's why the scene works. And, uh, the, the story works. So I, I'm, I'm definitely not even really disagreeing with you. Like, I think that was a very it's solid just preference. Point. Yeah. 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 I think that's really what it is, man. Honestly. But yeah. Good point, though. Very solid. Heather, point. you need to write this date down is when Justin said, I can't really argue with you. I mean, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no fucking idea how crazy that is. I've been arguing with this man for fucking 25 years. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I will take it. Sterling, anything to add? Yeah. And on that note, let's move on to the next section. Yeah, I was getting there, guys. Come on. My bad. I know how to do My this. Bad. Keep your shit together, Sterling. Keep your shit say. together. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on to the next section where we give a recommendation of the movie and then our score. So then I can say some points about a movie that's kind of dated at this point with Justice League towards Devin. So, Justin, would you recommend this movie and what is your score? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm totally going to recommend this movie. And I hope that the dislikes didn't make it seem like I didn't like the film or anything like that. For the most part, I got this film. It worked for me. I thought that it was great to have um MCU's first solo female character and like I said it makes me excited for um what's to come um and overall I I thought this was a fun movie I enjoyed most of the jokes I laughed most of the time they introduced some interesting new characters and they put in some pieces some they filled in some blanks as far as some of the MCU story um, prior to when Thanos gets the gauntlet. So they put some things together there. And ultimately, this was a good time at the movies. Like I said, 
it, it not every movie, not every one of these Marvel movies has to be great or knock my socks off or be distinct, which was kind of my criticism. Even if you don't get those things, you can still enjoy the movie. You can still have a good time. So you got to see this before Endgame comes out. Let's go ahead. You've seen all the other movies, so you know you need to see this one. So I highly recommend this film, and I am going to give it 80 scenes of Captain Marvel standing to her feet, ready to go binary on those Kree ships (laughs) out of 100. I think that was one of the longest <laughs> versions of that. That we've was ever awesome. Had. Yeah. <laughs> Devin, your turn. Well, I think it's obvious. I totally recommend this movie. Go give Marvel your dollars. There are worse things you could be doing, like watching fucking Justice League, uh, especially if you've seen it more than once. <laughs> so um, I am going to give this movie 78 plays of cat scratch fever on replay out of 100. This movie is a great introduction to a very important character. I believe that is a stepping stone in the, no, not a stepping stone, a launch pad into phase four. And after we see what Brie Larson is going to bring to this character, you won't be able to be helped, but be marveled by the excellence of his execution. That was beautiful. Nice. Heather, go. (laughs) I am going to go, basically, I'm going to agree with Jason on this one. Um, I'll give it 80 Fonzie lunchboxes out of 100. Yep. So 80% (laughs) for me. (laughs) Um, Nothing specifically that I would say is a reason not to see it. You definitely need to see it if you're a fan of the Marvel movies. I, I honestly feel like it actually works as... A standalone, like if you haven't necessarily seen any of the other ones, you can still see this one and it's still going to be a good movie that you'll enjoy. And for the most part, you'll be able to follow it. Um, but definitely if you're, you know, definitely before you see Endgame, you know, and you want to be caught up and see all of the Marvel movies leading up to it, I say for sure, watch it. Um, the only reason I'm giving it an 80 is just because, like everybody was saying, it doesn't specifically stand out above any other Marvel movies for me. It's pretty standard fare of it's a good movie, but not great. But it's uh, the thing that does stand out, like Devin was saying, is that the fact that it is a female lead, which is a really cool thing that, you know, yeah. if you're all about female empowerment and you're all about like, you know, you you can do your own thing and you can be yourself and you could be this female awesome amazingness just like these other male superheroes definitely you're gonna love this movie um i i for sure recommend it it's just the fact that it doesn't have anything that specifically stands out above other marvel movies is the only reason it's an 80 but it is definitely a very good movie all right guys uh i do recommend this movie is it the best marvel movie you'll ever watch no. Is it the worst movie, worst Marvel movie you'll ever watch? Fuck no. It's definitely above average. Yeah. It's definitely above the yeah. middle. Um, it's, to me, not even the worst of the origin stories, because uh, I think it's better than Ant-Man and Doctor Strange. Um, but it's it really is not the best. Uh, but I would definitely recommend it. It is, it's still, if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, it's, it's, Watch it. Why not? It's 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 right up there with. Like I said, it's still above average, and the it wouldn't even compare to other Marvel movies. Uh, 
even it's above average when you compare it to just comic book movies in general. It it has its problems, but ultimately it 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 does a lot of things better than most. And uh, I really do think it's it really is worth watching, especially with what they're doing. Um, I mean, this is the last movie. Well, I guess technically third to last movie of Phase Three. Um, because we do have Avengers Endgame, which technically might end Phase Three. I don't know how they're doing that. If, if it, Endgame might end Phase Three, or Spider-Man might end Phase Three, one of those two movies is ending it. I mean, either way, though, this this sets up Endgame. Like, if you're excited about Endgame, watch this fucking movie just so you can get a sense of the character of Captain Marvel. And if what we talked about does happen in any way, shape, or form, you know, you get to watch the growth of the character. You know. You might not be on board for the way the character is in this movie, but that doesn't mean you won't be on board with the character in the third movie she's in, you know, and it's always more satisfying to get the the full aspect of it, to, to follow the whole journey. Instead of just picking it up in the second or third movie, you might as well watch the whole journey. Um, I would give this movie 76 awesome Ben Mendelsohn finally speaking with his own voice that sounds Australian with scrolls out of 100. He tried um, to beat out Justin for the longest uh, rating. <laughs> no, no, I just ended up rambling in the middle of it. That was purely <laughs> by accident. I think it, it should have been seventy-six awesome Ben Mendelsohn Australian scrolls out of a hundred. It should have been what I actually <laughs> said, but I've had a lot of wine at this point, so it came out way longer. Than okay, that. wait, wait, one thing, um, Sterling. Before you go in on me, I lied. Wonder Woman wasn't. One of the only things to like, also, Ezra Miller was great as the Flash. So I just want to throw that in there. I enjoyed that. He yeah, like knows that you're I, coming I at still, him. <laughs> but, but, but Jason Momoa was good as well, Aquaman, yeah, too. To me, here's the thing. But just listen to me on this. Jason Momoa. I'm just saying it set up the movie. Listen, good. Jason Momoa was being Jason Momoa. Like, that's who that guy is. So I don't really count him in well, that yeah. film. Because he was just like rocking around. They was just like, listen, Jason Momoa, just be a beautiful, sexy man for us. And they went, he went, all right, dude. <laughs> and that's what he did. No he problem. just walk around being beautiful and sexy. And yeah, I said it. And I'm not gay. <laughs> but that guy's beautiful and he's fucking sexy. And I've had the opportunity. I'd shake his hand. <laughs> 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 that palms. He was he was good in that movie. Um I, ben Affleck was good in that movie. I still think Ben Affleck See, is a great Batman, I thought, I thought even though he's he was done. Too, not he to was him, great. not to him, but they made him too fucking funny, and I didn't like that. I was like, Batman is fucking broody and dark. Just fucking let him yeah, brood. But, it fucking pisses me off. Yeah, but it wasn't him. That was the uh, no, script. That was a script. He was, yeah, good, he was fine. But I'm just saying, as a character, I, and I still think, I still think, as far as the the Supermans we have gotten so far in this oh, DCEU, Cavill. I thought this was the best version. I thought this was the best version of Superman, yeah, dude. With that, you know, scene, the fact that he he was very Boy Scouty. Yeah, I liked the fact that he was very Boy Scouty and super powerful. Yes, I, I loved the fact that they leaned into the fact that he's the fucking strongest of all of them. Yeah, he is. They finally did that. They finally went fuck all. Superman could destroy the world. Yeah, well, the whole but he thing didn't. is like they they just showed that he he was the fucking strongest no matter what. The best scene is that is when they resurrect him and like the Flash is running. Yes. That and, like, is he's an like, awesome yeah, scene. I got this motherfucker. Yes. And then Superman looks at him, he gives yeah. him the side eye. I was like, <laughs> oh, motherfucker, yes. Like I that, was like, that is that the is hands down shit. Like I don't the care. Best 
scene in that movie. Yes. 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 Hands down, without a shadow of Agreed. a doubt, the best scene in that movie. Just the way he looks and that look on Ezra Miller's face where he's like, Fuck. He's like, he could fucking see me. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, I was just like, that is fucking amazing. Uh, and but I mean, here's that's, the thing about Justice League. And that's what really. That really got to me. Well, is that was, was so say, boring. That, that's really. Yeah, that's the problem with it is it had all these elements that worked. And for some reason, they still couldn't eke out a non-boring movie. Like, all the heroes in it worked. I mean, even Cyborg, for it being Cyborg, worked. Well, you know, know? he was too broody. Cyborg was Batman, and Batman was fucking Cyborg. And that got to me. And that's, but I'm just saying, but it, it worked overall, and yet they couldn't cohesively put it all together into something that was just mostly entertaining. Or even mildly It was just kind of a movie that had entertaining it well, I think at best that's what it is. Yeah. If you need to yeah. kill some time and it's on and somebody's like, Well, you have to watch this, you can go, Okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, you're not yeah. gonna you know, you can deal with watching that movie. You just don't want to watch that movie. Yeah. But you can deal with watching it. Yeah, you know what? I had like, watched uh Finding Never Leaving Neverland and then I also watched uh True Detective season three and I was like, I gotta fucking even this out because I'm gonna have to start taking some meds if I don't watch something that's gonna get me back to Earth, and so <laughs> that's what I decided to do. <laughs> and uh, you know, it actually brought me back up a little bit. So you know, I mean, it's like I said, there are just so many elements of it that are great, and you're just like, why the fuck couldn't they string two good scenes together <laughs> like in a row? Yeah, it's just yeah, every scene in that movie, it's a good scene followed by boring scene followed by another boring scene followed by a good scene. It's just like they followed a pattern of good scene, boring scene, boring scene, good scene, boring scene, boring scene. And you, they just couldn't string two good scenes back to back. And you want to talk about some awful CGI? Like I fucking seriously thought I was watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation at some points at times. Like I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Is it 2005? Are, are you kidding me? Oh, mm, <laughs> Justice League. Oh, oh, God. Oh, the producers, the producers of Mission Impossible wrote, or Fallout just fucked that movie left and right with how bad it looked in no some scenes way. because of what Those they had the to do in Ray space. Yeah, they did. No, no, no. No, no, no. With the mustache. Because, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Never mind. Yes, because since they wouldn't let him shave the mustache, and they and they could have. It's just the fact that they were like, hey, you need to do that because of Justice League. And they went, fuck you. We're making a movie that's going to be better than you. And they did. Because Mission Impossible Fallout is just infinitely better. Infinitely better than Justice League. But on that note, guys, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our little discussion on Captain America. Or Captain America, really. Captain Marvel. And let us know what you thought about this movie. And I'm going to say this. I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say this anyway. And if you're pissed off at me for saying this, I don't give a fuck. If you're just going to be on some of that sexist bullshit with it, fuck off. But if you've got legit criticism, yeah, let us know. Um, other than that, guys, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we are Cinema Slayers on all those, except for Twitter. It is Cinema underscore Slayers, because for whatever reason, I couldn't do Cinema Slayers. And... Uh, we also have the website, www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out there. We also have the uh, merchandise store where you can get some really awesome and slick looking threads from Threadless with our logo and everything on it. We have hoodies. We have some uh, Raglan shirts. We have 
bags, we have cell phone cases, and all the accoutrement you could ever want with a Cinema Slayers logo on it. Uh, you can also find the podcast anywhere you want. So if there's somewhere else you would rather listen to this podcast, like you would listen to every other podcast, try to find us on that because we're probably on it, including Spotify. And once again, guys, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm.